Here's a message from Ken Lavica. That big guy in Philadelphia. God, do I hate him, but damn it, do I respect him. Stone Labanowitz hit the open. On your mark. Get set. Go! You are listening to Ken Lavica Live. Presented by FAU MBA and Sport Management Program. Turn it up! Turn it up! From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, it's Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. There are some players that annoy you beyond belief, just their mannerisms or the team they play for or just them as an individual. But when they explode, it is damned impressive. And I've got to give a hat tip to Joel Embiid today. Ken LaVica alive here on a Thursday on ESPN 106.3. Free ESPN app and on your smart speaker. Keely Ferguson was supposed to be in. She is the show mom. She is the station queen. She could not make it in. So instead, we go from show mom to show Party girl sister, Jeanette Javier. She's coming in for a second straight day here on Ken LeVick Alive. Good to have Jeanette back here. And we are going to resolve her Buccaneers playoff game attendance saga that we delved into yesterday. Stone Labanowitz, Friday Night Lights. He runs everything until 2 o'clock here on ESPN 106.3. Coming to you from the Anna John Levine Accident Attorney Studios downtown West Palm Beach, right off of the increasingly warm and more Florida-ish intercoastal. Let me give you this stat line last night from Joel Embiid. The Sixers beat the Magic. Sorry, Jeanette, as a tried and true. Everybody has, it's fine. Die hard Magic fan. And let me tell you, the Orlando Magic, that's a hard suck this year. The Orlando Tragic, yeah, as I've called them all season. It is awful. They are they are unwatchable. Thank I'm you, sorry. Thank H- you. How much have you actually watched them? I hope not much. None. Yeah, yeah you're not missing I have the Tampa thing. Bay Buccaneers to kind yeah. of balance things out. Man, Magic bad. But the Sixers beat Orlando 123 to 110. Check out this line for Joel Embiid. 50 points. And that by itself, you're like, wow, that's a great performance. 17 of 23. You say, oh man, that's incredible. Inefficient 50 points for Joel Embiid. 27 minutes. He did all of that. In 27 minutes last night, it's almost as if the Sixers threw it to the post. The Magic held out red flags and said, Ole! And let him go to town on the rim. Joel Embiid, 50 points, 27 minutes, 17 of 23. Oh yeah, ho-hum, he added 12 rebounds as well. It was against the Magic, though. So, <laughs> so chill out. So you're just going to undercut his performances. They're still NBA players, even though they're bad NBA players. It, it, would, it would be a different light if it were like against the Heat <laughs> oh, or man. the Nets. That's or funny. The Celtics. You know what? The Bulls. I knew that was But against was the Magic. Come on. I knew it's not that impressive. Driving in today, when I, I knew that when I brought up this, that I was going to give Joel Embiid credit that Jeanette, Magic fan Jeanette, with nothing to hang her proverbial hat on this year, was immediately going to say, but it was against the Magic. I, I support that team. I support them more than the Tampa <laughs> Bay Buccaneers oh, in a man. regular season. But I'm sorry, I don't find it as impressive because it was against the Orlando Tragic. We can even call them that. Okay? So, so uh, all right, Jeanette aside, who is not going to give Joel Embiid <laughs> any credit here, I look at that, and I look at the 50 points in 27 minutes, 17 of 23, and I mean, objectively, Friday Night Lights, that is an all-world stat line, right? 
what we need to look at is who's done that in 27 minutes. Who's dropped against the magic, everyone? Who's <laughs> dropped a 50 bomb in 27 minutes? Yeah, that's crazy. I don't care who it's against. That is a remarkable number, and to do it with only six missed shots. That's awesome. Because I'm looking at last night, and the Nuggets played the Clippers. Jokic went for 49, mm -hmm. 14, and 10. Yeah. With 41 minutes. With 41 minutes. He almost played the whole damn game. The entire game. Yeah. So, so you've got 27 minutes, 50 points. And Joel Embiid, I don't know if it's because he plays for the Sixers, and the Sixers drive me absolutely insane, and I can't stand the process. The process. The process. What has the process done? It's led to one Eastern Conference Finals appearance. It has led to them not even really getting all that close to the finals. It certainly hasn't led to anything resembling a championship. And it's led to one of the biggest pieces of the process, not playing all season, pouting because he doesn't know how to shoot outside of 10 feet. Uh, that, that when, when part of your process hasn't learned how to shoot from outside of 10 feet, and, and the only thing keeping him relevant is that he one time dated a Kardashian... That's a problem, right? Like Ben Simmons, that's a massive problem. So I hate the process. The process also thought that Jimmy Butler was a bad teammate. Let's not forget mm -hmm. about that. Mm -hmm. The process thought that Jimmy Butler was a player that the Sixers didn't need and needed to part ways with. Hey, whatever. Their loss is the Heat's gain over and over and over and over again. And by the way, Jimmy deserved ejection last night. You got jobbed on that call. You had every right to be angry. Go Heat. The Heat win again. Beat Portland. They're tops in the East. Anyways, as someone who supports the Heat like I do, as someone who enjoys nothing more, there might be not be another team. Boston's in that realm. But I think there's, there's no other team that's more satisfying for the Heat to beat down on than the Sixers. A couple of weeks ago when the Heat lost, that's been really their only blemish in the last three weeks. That was infuriating because it came at the hands of the Sixers. It's so great to beat Philly, and a big part of it is because you get to see Joel Embiid, grumpy, frustrated face. Joel Embiid, big, lunk uh, just meandering all over the floor. It's great to see him frustrated. When you can frustrate Embiid, when you can take him out of his game, you're doing something right. But what I will say, in an NBA that is no longer a big man's game, in an NBA that is more a wing game, even someone like the MVP, Nikola Jokic, he is more of a wing dynamic than he is a post dynamic. He is as good a post passer as he is a post-footwork connoisseur, mm -hmm. a post-scorer. This is a wing game. This is a length game. This is not a size game anymore in the NBA. So for big old Joel Embiid to consistently be a, the best player on the floor for the 76ers, a team that is always going to be a playoff team, a team that is always at least going to be a sexy pick to come out of the East, and a guy who has... At some points, almost single-handedly dragged his team to more playoff success than they actually deserve. I can't stand him, but I respect him. I mean, Joel Embiid is the real deal. A healthy Joel Embiid mm -hmm. is a dominant force in a sport that no longer allows for the big men to be the dominant force on the floor if they can't extend their game outside of 15 feet. And make no mistake, Joel Embiid will pop a three occasionally mm -hmm. as well, but he gets the vast majority of his points from 10 feet and in. He's one of the rare all-stars that can still do that. And so, again, I, I love to see him beaten. I love to see him frustrated. 
I love when the Heat throw the basketball pie in his face. But there's no doubt when I see, no matter who it's against, Jeanette, mm-hmm. 50 points in 27 minutes, how can you not say, you know what, I can't stand him, but that guy rules. He's really, really good. And that's where I'm at right now with Joel Embiid. I've always respected him. I've always looked at him as a top-tier player in the NBA. And he no is. No matter what. He is. And I kind of like his personality. He has that personality that just... Oh, he's goofy. He's completely do- goofy. He doesn't really care what other people say about him at all. And he lets his emotions... He's let his emotions ride throughout the game. And the way he's been able to handle so many different personalities and so much drama with the 76ers, I've always respected him and as he, a player. And I've always liked, enjoyed watching him. Yeah, and he's a tough matchup. He's a tough matchup, as the Magic found out last night. He's just a good player. He takes up a lot of real estate. He knows how to use his body. And I think big men sometimes get a little bit of a reputation as a little bit lazy. Mm-hmm. Joel Embiid's not lazy. No, he That hustles. guy competes. And that's why I appreciate him as well. So while it's fun to see the Sixers lose and to see Embiid lose, I mean, I would flat out say I hate the Sixers. They're just annoying. And it all comes from the process. I'm sick of hearing about the process. Go to a finals. Go to a finals, and then we can talk about the process. The process made you a perennial playoff team. Congrats. But Joel Embiid, he's good. Does it, and honestly, how long does the process go? I feel like the process well, has been around for like a decade yeah, plus. Now. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. At some point, the process needs like a drop dead date, right? The process can't go on for, you know, that's like saying, ah, the Vietnam War. That was a process. Especially when they say trust the process. How long are you trusting the yeah. process for? This is not really trustworthy and process. what do we trust about it now? Yeah, yeah the, exactly. Because again, a key component, a pillar of your process no longer plays and has been demanding to get out of Philadelphia for the better part of a year now. Oh, and by the way, can't shoot outside of 10 feet. Like that, I'm not trusting a process that brought in Ben Simmons. Sorry, but Joel Embiid, He's the real deal. Now, you, Jeanette, you watch sports through a petty lens, and I know you do. Of course. Um, and uh, I think that's both our nature a little bit, but whether it's the Bucks or the Magic or any one of your teams, you watch and uh, a rival comes in and an opponent comes in, and uh, you've got to, you get to this point after more than one occasion of seeing this person just go hard against your team or uh, more than one occasion of seeing them just relentlessly beat up an opponent where your team fell short against. And you have to say to yourself, fine, that player is amazing. Mm-hmm. Who is that for you? Well, he's not active, but I'm watching Drew Brees. And I'll even say the ghost of Drew Brees still exists <laughs> against the Tampa the Bay Buccaneers. of Drew Brees. Oh, my gosh. But watching Drew Brees, I remember just in his when he played against the Buccaneers it was an automatic why can't we beat this guy mm-hmm. why can't we beat this man uh Which is except carried in over. the playoffs except in the playoffs yeah, so we sure. beat him when it mattered yeah but Brady couldn't even he, he Brady couldn't even beat Drew Brees in the regular season the Buccaneers Winston Winston came back at us against the Saints yeah he had the spirit of Drew Brees in him exactly so for me it was always Drew Brees and I wrote down somebody who's playing against the Buccaneers this Sunday Odell Beckham Jr. so you can't stand him you can't stand ODB but you respect him what is it about Odell that drives you crazy him is it the blonde hair his style is a little awkward he can't really pull it off but I I I <laughs> appreciate his confidence and thinking that he can pull it off uh-huh. there's something to that but three-time pro bowler you know he was the rookie of the year 
He's actually pretty good. He has an executive of the year, his dad. <laughs> his father, his father, Odell Beckham Sr., is the NFL executive of the year. Correct? Absolutely. And he is, even I think what, what he did with the Browns, he was always underrated to a certain degree. And the problem is he was hurt. And his quarterback was, sorry, Friday Night Lights, bad. Exactly. Yeah, bad. So Bad Baker. But I, I just never really liked him. Mm-hmm. He's not he's not the easiest person to like, but when things are going well for him, it is easy to get behind him. Yes. And I can see where you're coming from with the Bucks. You respect him, but also there's that fear that I'm you could scared. see him with multiple touchdown catches this weekend he's on a, that Bucks defense. He's a weapon with yeah. Matthew Stafford. Yeah, that's a and good he's one. proved that. I like Od- I like that one. Odell Beckham. So Drew Brees, part of uh, Saints yesteryear, Bucks Saints rivalry yesteryear, but then also Odell Beckham <laughs> who gets his shot at the uh, the Bucks this weekend. All right, Friday Night Lights. What about you? Uh, the 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 guy that you can't stand, but you just have respect for him because man, he just rules. I think you'll appreciate this, Ken. I thought you were going to say me. No, Jeanette. I don't know if you're going to know him, but Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Mm. He's a going the soccer route, huh? I just I think he's the most arrogant oh. person. He's the most arrogant person on the planet. Honestly, more than, than any celebrity that you've seen oh, no. that's arrogant in any interview. That man I believes in himself. I know exactly who you're talking about. He's beautiful. He is beautiful. Is he still with Inter Milan? He is. Okay. Oh, AC Milan now. But AC Milan got you. So, like, there were quotes like this. I can't help but laugh at how perfect I am. <laughs> I know I'm good enough. Like, this is I not an act, by the way. It's not an act. There was a story that <laughs> when he came to L.A. to play in the um, MLS, yeah, with the Galaxy. LeBron had sent him a jersey, mm-hmm. a Lakers jersey. Zlatan, without knowing why he sent it, signed it and sent it back to LeBron James. Stop! <laughs> no, he did yeah, it. I swear. Yeah. I kind of love that. By the way, when, when Zlatan Ibrahimovic left L.A., he took out a full-page ad in the L.A. Yes. Times that said, you're welcome. <laughs> But there's a level of that, like that cockiness. Like well, you have to respect it. No, he's so incredible. It's natural. It's not even a cockiness. It's, it's, yeah. it's how he is. Yeah. And so if you're an opposing soccer fan, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic really made a name for himself at PSG, Paris Saint-Germain. So if you're any one of those French teams, you absolutely hated him. But man, he was awesome. He has played for the uh, the Swedish national team. So if you're like the Netherlands, you hate him. But you can't deny that he is a transcendent, otherworldly talent as well. But his mannerisms, that's what made people hate him because he has undying, unflinching confidence. Zlatan's a good one and an outside-the-box one. He'll score a goal and take his shirt off and touch each six of his abs. Yeah. Like, Let him do that. Yeah. Let him do that. I'm not complaining I mean, it really it. has been a competition between him and Cristiano Ronaldo about who is the most arrogant what? person on the planet. Oh, Absolutely. I thought you were going to say the most attractive. I don't think Cristiano's that attractive at all. Excuse me? He's cute but he's not like oh my god i don't understand like the craziness about Christian oh. both both of the bo- both of the heterosexual males in this room <laughs> are looking at jeanette in disgust right now I, how dare you he listen if what we are have we, what are we in ken uh, yeah. what are we in ken then yeah this is unbelievable he is a guy who will take longer in the restroom to get ready than i will be like, if he I, takes Five hours minimum. Hey, if I had that abdominal muscle definition, I would take as much time to uh, <laughs> no. to, to, to abdominal no. pump in the locker room. <laughs> we're we're thigh guys. Out. Yeah, we're thigh, we're thigh guys. season all the time. Five and a half inch in scenes on the shorts. Ronaldo's our president. Yeah, that is our president because he's thigh season 24-7 no matter where he's at. He probably puts like spray tan on his so, abs, no contours it. It's too much. Uh, that That is, this is a stunning revelation. I'll take Zlatan. Ibrahimovic, Latani Ibrahimovic. I'll take him over Cristiano All right, that's every fine. day. Fine, whatever. I mean, you're wrong on that, but wow, that's fine. Wow. Your opinion is your own. That's fine. You're a part of the show. You can have your opinion. Uh, the <laughs> the player that you can't stand, 
but damn it, you respect him. For me, it's Joel Embiid. 50 points last night in 27 minutes. For Jeanette, the ghost of Drew Brees against her Buccaneers, but also Odell Beckham fits that mold for her. Stone Lebanowitz, Friday Night Lights says... Zlatan Ibrahimovic. That's actually a really good one. The player you can't stand, but you respect him. What are yours? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. We already have a bunch on social media at ESPN West Palm where you can still weigh in. 888-760-3776. The player that you can't stand, but you respect him. I mean, honestly, it pains me as a Heat supporter, to look at Joel Embiid and have to give him credit. like It's it's physical cringe. It's retching at the mere thought. Because again, it's so satisfying to beat him. I love that long face. And, you know, because he's big and he's oafish, so him just ambling off the floor in sadness, that's a good feeling. But I also know that in the playoffs, if the Heat and the Sixers meet, and Embiid's dropping a triple-double, and in the final five minutes, they're feeding him the ball in the post, and he's taking it at bam, getting to the free-throw line, which could conceivably happen. It's going to drive me insane. And I can't get mad at it. I have to just acknowledge it, right? There's no use in getting mad at it because he's that good. He's capable of doing that. It's not like he'd be doing anything that is shocking in that moment. That's always a possibility, and you have to respect that. Yes, if there's one bright light about the process, and I did that with air quotes, this process is taking way too long for y'all, it is Joel Embiid, for that reason. He's consistent, he dominates, and when when he's healthy, Mm -hmm. for sure, and no matter who you put around him, he creates, he puts everybody, he stands everybody up much bigger. Me as a child, young Ken Levicka, uh, let's just go back to the days of yesteryear. Uh, No, no, not the 70s, thank you very much. It's more the early 90s, thank you very much, okay? Um, uh, Maybe even late 80s in this point, but uh, (laughs) scrawny kid, uh, someone who would play video games and do the play-by-play to it while he's playing the video games, true story. That definitely happened in Ken Levicka's life in his basement in suburban Chicago. Yes, I was very much a nerd. There is no denying that whatsoever. Um, But, you know, being a huge Bulls fan growing up, obviously the Bulls' nemesis was the Knicks. The last time the Knicks were relevant, by the way. But the Knicks were the nemesis of the Bulls. And so, couldn't stand Patrick Ewing. Here's the thing. John Starks, he'd be an easy one to say, oh, I can't stand it, but I respect him. There was nothing to respect about John Starks. Uh Uh-uh. That guy was a punk. He was a dirty player. He was garbage. Let it John out. Starks, no respect for that guy. Mm-hmm. Dirty, dirty player with marginal talent who got lifted up by what was around him on those Knicks teams. That's right. John Starks, garbage. No respect there. But Patrick Ewing, mm. there was respect there because you knew that he could go up against Bill Cartwright and have himself a huge game. The Knicks were going to go to him late in games. He came damn close a number of times to beating the Bulls, the Jordan Bulls in the playoffs. Always fell short. I want to make sure that I emphasize, but he came close. He's someone that would go at Luke Longley, Bill Weddington. Was it times when Jordan was on the bench, the best player on the floor? He was the best player on the Bulls' biggest rival, and I respected him. Hated him, but respected him. (laughs) Okay, so uh, that, that's that's what I'm talking about is everybody has that person. I don't think there's a single fan out there who doesn't have one of those players where uh, they, they'll say, I hate that guy. Bleep that guy. Screw that guy. But there's also an acknowledgement where they're scared. If you're scared 
of a player on another team because you're worried about what he's capable of doing against your team, that's respect, right? Yes. Like It's not just fear. It's rooted in respect. Absolutely. Now, what would you call the fan, me in this case, who has a player that they absolutely hate, <clears throat> Dwight Howard, <clears throat> but respects them because of what they did for the team? Um, I'd call that jilted lover. Okay. Yeah. Because if you're talking about Dwight Howard, you being a Magic fan, uh, you're just mad I, at the I way he left the Magic. I get angry. Yeah. The, the Stan I'm Van Gundy talking right now. behind his back. Putting uh, his arm around him yeah, for yeah, no yeah. reason yeah. while he was minding his business answering a press conference? I think that, I, I think that, that ha- hating a player but respecting them is different than being a jilted lover of an athlete. That's where you're at with Dwight Howard. I have no idea how to react, and that's where that's where I draw the line. Like, I have no idea how to react if Dwight Howard like, hey, Jeanette, how are you? But who are you to say my name and say hi to me, <laughs> Dwight? <laughs> how dare you? It, it, the but I'm not lover. scared of him playing the magic. No, because he's, he's bad. Exactly. He's bad. Uh, he's been bad for a while. Uh, that, y- y- yeah, it's a totally different conversation. Okay. It is funny. The Jilted Lover conversation is funny because I haven't had many of them, but one of my... It's, I, I don't know why today's conversation is going more to basketball. I think it's just the nature of the game, uh, at least for me. But my biggest Jilted Lover as a kid, from an athlete standpoint, was BJ Armstrong, of all people. <laughs> really? He left the Bulls... <laughs> Uh, he left the Bulls to go to Charlotte after the first three championships, and then Jordan comes back in 1996, 90, and uh, the Hornets play the Bulls in the first round. The Hornets took game two, and B.J. Armstrong proceeded to ta- – he had a big shot late and taunted the United Center crowd, and that was at that point. How dare B.J. Armstrong do that to me? So that's just an insight into the weird sports mind that I have that really the only jilted lover I can remember from a sports standpoint for me – is B.J. freaking Armstrong. But back to the topic at hand. The player you hate that you respect. Joel Embiid, I have nothing but respect for that guy, even though I can't stand him with the 50 points last night. And I know he's just, he's, he's a competitor. That guy can flat out ball, even though the game, the NBA game, no longer caters to someone of his build. He still finds a way to dominate. I respect that. For Jeanette Javier, Odell Beckham. That's going to loom large, I have a feeling, this weekend. She can't stand Odell, but she respects him. She might be respecting him more when he's catching multiple touchdown passes for Matt Stafford at Raymond James. And then Stone's going the soccer route. Zlatan Ibrahimovic. That guy's cocky. That guy loves himself. Easy to hate. But, man, you see him score miraculous goals, and you do nothing but hat tip. Who's the player you hate? But your respect, 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776. Tweeted us at ESPN West Palm. Thursday, I'm Ken Levick, alive, and as always, we're presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program, fau.edu slash MBA Sport, the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. There's no hate there. It's all respect, and it's all respect for the FAU MBA Sport Management Program from every Every portion of the sports industry, because let me tell you about what happens when you get your degree. You get an MBA at Sport Management at Florida Atlantic. You send them into potential employers in the sports industry. They see education. They see that MBA. And immediately, you become a priority because they know that for the last 22 years, Dr. Jim Reardon in the FAU MBA Sport Management Program has brought in professors who are in the sports industry, giving you first hand knowledge of the sports industry 
how to maneuver, how to operate, how to do business. You come out prepared to make a long story short. That's what you do with the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. This is your path to the sports industry. Find out more. Spring semester and uh, summer semester and fall semester classes, I should say. Summer and fall 2022. Right now, you can sign up for them. FAU.edu slash MBA Sport. That's FAU.edu slash MBA Sport. Just a little example. Tara Quinn, who's she? Well, she just started with the FAU MBA Sport management program. She was working part-time at IMG Academy. After she got accepted into the FAU MBA sport management program, she got a promotion to their full-time event coordinator. Aligning yourself with the FAU MBA sport management program, if you want to do sports, if you want to do sports business, yeah, it's the best idea. FAU.edu slash MBA sport. That's FAU.edu slash MBA sport. The FAU MBA sport management program. The player you just hate, but you got to respect him. 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776. And on Twitter, at ESPN West Palm. She's Jeanette Javier. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken Levick Live on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken Levick. The Heat right now with the uh, the Bulls falling apart. I mean, now Lonzo Ball has a major injury, potentially. The Bulls were the darlings of the NBA, the best story in the NBA, the best turnaround in the NBA, as early as a week and a half ago. And then the Nets came in and blasted them. And then the Warriors went into Chicago and blasted them. And then they lost to Memphis. And now Lonzo Ball is hurt. Uh, things are not looking good for the Bulls and It's becoming increasingly likely that the college heat, the G League heat, are going to be the top team in the East going into the All-Star break. How incredible is that? By the way, I think Evan Cohen, I mean, Evan was spot on at 1155. His whole five minutes here, first to two today on ESPN 106.3, you'll hear from him again at 555. I mean, he's right. Eric Spolstra is just the tops. We tried to say it the other day, Stone, but Eric Spolstra is tops he's the coach of the year I know that uh, there is always going to be this contingent that tries to undercut him and say that his resume was built by the big three there's no coach in the NBA who can do what he has done with this heat roster with the COVID with the injuries not just in the top eight still that would be an accomplishment in and of itself but at the top of the Eastern Conference Mm -hmm. he's the coach of the year and there's nothing anybody can do to usurp him unless the Heat go on a 24-game losing streak and plummet out of the top eight, which isn't going to happen because now Bam's back. Yes, sir. And Jimmy is going to consistently be back. Tyler Hero's in, like, COVID protocols for, like, the 15th time this year for some reason, but he'll be back on a consistent basis. Everything is coming together. They not only weathered the storm, they dominated completely shorthanded. It's incredible. Eric Spolstra is the coach of the year, but... As a Heat fan, you go into the playoffs and the prospect of meeting up with the Sixers, which is annoying in and of itself, and then possibly being on the wrong end of a matchup with Joel Embiid, that's scary. That's frightening. Want to know why it scares me and why it frightens me? It's because I respect Joel Embiid, even though I can't stand him. And it's scary to see a stat line that shows 50 points, on 17 of 23 shooting last night in 27 minutes in a win over the Magic. That's scary, but I respect it. 
against the Orlando Magic. I know, I know. I, and I, I, I know that that qualifier, it makes me feel better. I appreciate yes. you bringing it up. Makes me feel better. But that's still an absurd performance. And Friday Night Lights made a good point, Stone. You've made a good point in the break that it's frustrating with Embiid because you look at him in pregame warm-ups, and what's he doing on the bench? Just sitting there watching anime. Watching anime. Yeah. <laughs> Not even going through his full warm-ups. And then he just casually trots out to a double-double. At least. Most nights. That's his pregame warm-up, though. Everybody has a routine yeah, that routine. you have to do. Every- you can do it in the locker room. But, I mean. The last one I saw, he was actually getting a massage pregame while watching. No, it. there's nothing wrong with that. They were rubbing his shoulders and then zoomed in and he was watching it. In fact, uh, I, I now propose that we have a show massager to massage us before like every show. Let's go! Now, I think that's an HR problem, potentially, if we ask one of our teammates here at ESPN West Palm to be that person. Maybe that's another question we can ask Courtney later, is uh, what are the odds that a teammate can be the show massager for gift cards? I think that's a great question to ask. Okay, yeah. Absolutely. Well, let's throw some gift cards in there. I mean, it can't get any worse <laughs> than what we tried to do yesterday. Oh, yeah. Getting my Super Bowl ticket yeah, yeah, getting, paid for. Getting the, 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 the station to put together a GoFundMe so Jeanette could go to the Super Bowl. That got uh, soundly smacked down. Uh, we'll have a playoff attendance update here with Jeanette Javier. Also, the debut of Jeanette's Sports Movie Spectacular later on today here on Ken Levicka Live. She is Jeanette Javier. I'm Ken Levicka. Friday Night Lights, Stone Lebanowitz. He's hanging out by the phones and making sure the board runs smoothly. Who is the athlete that you hate, but you respect? You can't help but respect this person. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. On Twitter, at ESPN West Palm. Let's go ahead and go to Twitter, where we did ask the question, which player in any sport do you begrudgingly respect? Ross Davenport says Bryson DeChambeau. Now, that, like Stone, is outside of the box. So, you worked uh, uh, at the PGA Tour for a couple of years, uh, Jeanette. Did you ever run into Bryson DeChambeau, the early version of uh, the the big smart meatball? No, but I've worked with people who've directly had conversations with him. And how does that go for them? Not so well. (laughs) They're not such high regard for Bryson DeChambeau, Senor Bryson DeChambeau and his hats. Uh, His hats are weird. I'm trying to find the best way to describe Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, arrogant. Uh, he has, like Aaron Rodgers, the smartest guy in the room syndrome, except it makes more sense because he's a, like a, a physics major. He was at SMU. So that at least makes sense. He has the degree as right. opposed to the friendship with Joe Rogan to show off how, uh, how, how intelligent <laughs> he is. Uh, but Bryson DeChambeau never quite knows when to keep his mouth shut about things, right? And he never knows when to stop, uh, which was really sort of the, uh, the the key part of the rivalry he had with Brooks Kepka. He just doesn't know when to shut up. He's a troll. He's a troll. He's a human, yes, woolly troll. Yeah. And, and this is also the guy who drank so many protein shakes to bulk up because he wanted to hit the ball farther than anybody that he had to withdraw, nearly withdraw from a tournament because his stomach hurt. He thought he had COVID and he was wondering why his stomach hurt. Bro, it's because you were eating eight, you were drinking eight protein Protein shakes a day. Like, man. Come on, man. He's the athlete that you talk with, caveman voice. Me, Bryson. Yeah. Protein, yes. But it's it's the he thinks he's smarter than everybody because of the, the physics of the sport, and he wants his drivers and his his wedges at a particular angle, and he comes at them at a particular angle. That's great, and that's fun to talk about the science of the game. But if you can't putt, you're not going to win a lot. And all that big brain power for Bryson DeChambeau, and somehow he still hasn't figured out how to putt, and that's why he only has one major. You, you get yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Like Bryson DeChambeau is annoying. 
He's just annoying. But you do respect him because, boy, does he stay consistent to what he believes in, and that's being big, being hulked up, hitting the ball the hell of a long way, and saying anything that pops into his head. That's Bryson DeChambeau. What a troll. But he is a troll. He is a troll. He is a human walking troll. The player that you can't stand, but you respect. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And on Twitter, at ESPN West Palm. We've got a couple of these. Dave McDonald says Brady. Al Bott going with Brady. Dave Hess says Tom Brady. <laughs> and Mike Hirsch also going with Tom Brady. I That's the quintessential one. Because there's such a gigantic difference between Patriots, Tom Brady, and Buccaneers, yes. Tom Brady. Buccaneers, Tom Brady is so much, and I, I mean, I feel like we've exa- we've exhausted uh, this conversation, but it's worth mentioning in this context that Tom Brady, the Buccaneers version, is so much more open, has so much more personality, mm-hmm. is so much less robotic, so much more likable. I found myself rooting for him last year. What? Which was insane, and it was so unnerving, and it was so unsettling. And uh, Tom Brady is the quintessential. I can't stand him. I hate the winning. I hate the fact that he has the the perfect wife. He has the perfect family, even though there's the weird lip kissing with his kids. And there's, I mean, everything about him, he's got the best Facebook posts. Everything about him is perfect. He's got the dimple. Like, the, the he he's one of the rare people that can pull off the bunt dimple Agreed. Uh, on, his, on his chin. Agreed. Uh, but, but, man, he wins so much, and you're so jealous of him. But also, there's a little part of you that says, Oh, all right, Tommy. Yeah, for a guy that that eats the most ridiculous diet based on kale and like berries, carrots. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Like normal people shouldn't be able to function off of that. For a guy uh, that 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 lives basically in a closed off bubble. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a guy that can't go out in public, you think to yourself, Ah, oh, he's just like one of us. Like he's the most unrealistic, uh, uh, unrealistic uh, profile to attain yet. He seems like one of us. Yeah. It's so weird. I don't understand it. And it, being drunk off tequila at the parade. Yeah, really avocado turned, tequila. Really turned it around for me. <laughs> that really? Was, that was the relatable I part. I was like, you know what? He's you know kind what? of one of us. Like, you, know what? you know what, Tom? I've been there. I get it. I get it. I've been there. I've been on boats drunk off tequila before. That was relatable. Now, the avocado tequila part, not so relatable. But the tequila part, relatable. We've all been there, Tommy. We've all been there. It's okay. He should have come for us to ad- for us to advi- for advice. Yeah, 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 you can speak. That's fine. But I, I just, I, I Tom Brady is. I, I feel like that's the one name that you get the most here. This is an interesting one. Finhead tweets: Floyd Mayweather is the athlete that I can't stand, but I respect. He's just an all-around ass. A year ago, I also would have said Tom Brady, but he's become more open and respectable since leaving New England. Floyd Mayweather, another soccer oh, tease guy. Oh boy. What's that? Another Socrates guy. Yeah, 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 for sure. Like he knows everything. Yeah, right. He's the smartest man in the room. Uh, but he's, see, that's what's tough. And that's where. I get it, though. I get where he's saying. I get it. If, if, you're, if you're able to fully separate the man from the sport, yes. But I'd also say in the sport, based on what you believe to be a respectable way to fight, you might not respect him in that sense either. Being a lifetime defensive fighter who is more prone to winning via decision than actually going on the offensive and attacking, I think there's a lot of people that actually don't respect the way in which he fights and certainly don't respect the way in which he's entertaining the Paul brothers to a point where he's openly fixing the bout to come to a decision with one of the Paul brothers. I look at it the other way. I think it's interesting how he found a way to beat the game 
to get to those decisions. And that's what's added to his but doesn't his that, greatness in the sport. So, but that's a discussion about you respecting the fact he found a way to maximize his money uh, as opposed to found a way to become a respectable champion. Like that That's a difficult, and I think that's very, very unique to boxing. Floyd Mayweather, I agree. I respect the way he found a way to make unlimited money. And now he has a legacy undefeated in his career. Nobody's going to take that away from him. But you've got to look a little deeper. I respect the way he got his money, but I don't respect the way he fought the final six years of his professional career. I'm on the other end. I found it interesting, again, how he found a way to kind of go around, circumvent the, circumvent the rules and how to win a game of, of a boxing match. To me, that's interesting, and that's more than just a fighter. You found the mental. You found a way to actually think about the sport and a way to beat the sport. Not just throw punches and yeah. find a way to be to win. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a solid thought. If you're a scumbag, you're right. Like, oh, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Uh, no, not the first time. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. If but in a in a corrupt sport, he found a way to to openly be seedy and sketchy and shady. Never mind the fact he's dragging women by their hair allegedly and beating them in Las Vegas condos. I can't stand him out. I can't stand him, period. Period. At all. I would never want to meet the man. But I do respect him as a player, no matter how sketch you think he won. If it's so weird the way he's playing, why hasn't anybody beaten him yet? No, you're right. You're right. He's He's been the he's best. He's good at what he does. He's been the best at... Ew, I, I feel like this. I'm defending the man, too. No, you, but, I mean, you are, though. Like, you, ha- you obviously have respect to him, which is fine. Which is fine. I'm just saying with the... With, I'm trying to put... He, he was the best at doing just enough. The best boxing champion to do just enough in his career to be a legend. Play smarter, though. Yeah, and and, the, and he did. The reason he was able to fight into the age he was able to fight until is because he didn't take as much punishment as Manny Pacquiao because Manny Pacquiao left his jaw out there all the time, fought well above his 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 weight class, uh, or fought weight classes he had no business being in, and uh, took a lot of punishment. So yeah, he he fought smarter. You're right. He found a way to do just enough to be arguably the all-time great. Yes. I don't know if that like brings you respect or should bring you the utmost respect, but I think, I mean, Jeanette's on to something Friday Night Lights. I can't truly argue that because he's the one with the belts. He's the one with the championships. He's the one with the money. No matter how he did it, nobody ever accused him of, of cheating, Exa- per se. I, I don't want to say exactly because I feel like I'm defending the man. But exactly. No, I love your point, Jeanette. But can you don't me- have to suck up to her? No, I, I love it honestly, and I hate the guy too. But I get what you're saying, and I kind of like it. And I've never heard it before with the take on Floyd Mayweather. Like he found a way to beat the game. Like I literally love that. Ken, let me ask you though: Is fifty and zero just enough? Fifty and zero. Five zero. I did not think coming into today's show. We're, that we're I was going to be that I was going to be uh, I was going to be put on the put on the defensive much like Floyd Mayweather about Floyd Mayweather. So are we both scumbags? Uh, you're entering scumbag territory, Jeanette. I am. <laughs> Jeanette's yes. been it all segment. Okay. Yeah. Um. But but with with Floyd Mayweather, you know, fifteen oh. There's been different sections of his career. There was young, spry, able to knock out opponents, Floyd Mayweather, and then it was. Get a play a paycheck, Floyd Mayweather, but still be entertaining. Then it turned into uh, ducking 
opponents in their prime Floyd Mayweather, and then finally agreeing to f- uh, fights with boxers who were no longer in their prime and uh, going to the judges, which was the last four or five years of his career, Floyd Mayweather. So not all that 50-0 and 0, uh, do I thumb my nose at, but the last, I don't know, the last 10 victories of 50-0 and 0, Sure, we're boring as hell. I hear that. And not worth the sixty nine ninety nine that you're paying uh, to Floyd Mayweather's gambling account to sit down and watch that pay-per-view. That's the only point I'm making about him. Your issue is that you pay for the pay-per-views. Well, the, the worst thing that happened to me, what was, the, uh, what was the, the, the app through Twitter that you could watch pirated feeds? Uh, uh, I don't know. Oh, what was that? What was that? Because uh, I, I used to watch it, all the prize fights. I just watched it on that because someone would be sitting in their basement in like Toledo, Ohio, <laughs> and they would, they would be streaming it. And, uh, Periscope. Oh, Periscope. It was Periscope. So I used to just log on to Periscope, and that's how I would, uh, would uh, watch it. Like, that's how I watched Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. Mm-hmm. That's how I, uh, I watched several championship fights. Uh, and so... Maybe that makes... I'm sitting here talking about scumbags and how you're a scumbag, Jeanette, and how Stone's a scumbag, and I'm the one who used Periscope to watch every title fight over the last seven years. I'm probably the reason they shut Periscope down. <laughs> well, thanks, Ken. I know. I'm Your the fault. one to blame. I know. Jeez. Ken Levick alive. Jeanette Javi are hanging out on this Thursday here on ESPN 106.3, the free ESPN app, and on your smart speaker. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Siri. Hey, Google Play. ESPN 106.3. Who is the athlete that you can't stand but you respect? All of this based off of Joel Embiid and his 50 points last night. Man, I can't stand Joel Embiid, but man, is he good, and I can't deny it. It does no good with me hating on him because the guy is really, 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 really good, and I know that he can beat my team, the Heat, at any, any, any time. Ken Levickalize presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program, fau.edu slash MBA Sport. Who is the player that you, you can't stand but you respect? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. We'll continue with your social media posts as well. She's Jeanette Javier. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. You are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken LaVica. I need to, uh, both of you are, are travelers. Both of you have spent significant time in airports. I need to, to relay an experience I had last week to uh, Jeanette Javier, Friday Night Lights, Stone Labanowitz, Ken LaVica Live here on ESPN 106.3 about something that happened to me in Atlanta. That has never occurred to me before, and I need someone to tell me they've gone through the same thing because I was legit shook by the entire thing. But first, this evening, well, this afternoon into this evening, there is something really cool happening here in Palm Beach County, Jeanette. Why don't you tell everybody about it? Yes, yes. Join us at the Arai Center for Athletic Development located in Jupiter today from 4.30 to 7.30 p.m. for an open house event. NBA superstar Alonzo Mourning and former Super Bowl MVP Richard Dent will be speaking about what it takes to be a champion and compete at the most 
elite level free tours of the state of the art facilities and the sensory training room as well as opportunities to speak with arise performance coaches trainers and staff who can develop personalized training programs customized to any athlete in any sport youth to adult beginner to pro in recovery or sharpening skills visit myariseflorida.com for more details on the event thank you so much Jeanette all right so uh, when I was coming back from my FAU basketball trip this past weekend uh, we played in Birmingham at UAB on Saturday afternoon, mm-hmm. then made a three-hour drive to Atlanta from Birmingham, got to Hartsfield-Jackson Airport, and I've already had my issues with this airport. Atlanta, it, here's the thing. I know that not everybody has flown in Atlanta mm-hmm. or gone to the airport in Atlanta mm-hmm. to take a flight, but chances are most of you, especially if you live in South Florida, have at some point been in Hartsfield-Jackson Airport. And you know just how expansive and how big of a clown show that airport is. It's impossible. Everything about it is terrible except for the Popeyes and Terminal B, okay? So, uh, shout out Josh Cohen. Now, uh, I, we, we ended up having to go through the security line. And so anybody who knows about the security line and how to get through security in Atlanta knows that you just enter this huge area with endless uh, partitions, you know, mm-hmm. the, the fabric partitions that go, it's like a maze. It's like a corn maze. It's yes. like in the fall when you go to Iowa and you go in a corn maze where people get lost and then all of a sudden they need to be saved. It's like that, okay? Wait, wait. Does that really happen? It's happened before. You have to call the authorities in rural Iowa because you got lost in a holiday corn maze. It's happened. Google it. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's not good. That's why I avoid corn mazes. I would never, ever go to one. I get frightened at these, like, pumpkin patches down here with kids with these mazes where I can <laughs> no, see over don't. the top. I'm like, how do I get out? I, 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 I mean, mazes are not for me, okay? <laughs> uh, but we're, we're, we're standing there, and I, I'm already tired, and I'm already crabby. And so we walked through, again, these partitions where if you you took them all out of the the stands, the poles that are there, you could wrap the Hartsfield-Jackson partitions around (laughs) the globe with how much fabric there is in Mm -hmm. that one area. They the, the the woman as we're approaching where they take your ticket and they scan your ID the TSA sends you into the 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 place where you get your stuff X-rayed. Uh, she's like, oh, go over there. And so I'm like the second the the second person behind it, the person who's going to go next. I'm like, great, good. Uh, this is going really quick. And then all of a sudden, someone comes out from TSA and says shift change. And the person who was sitting there gets up, walks away, and they have to redirect everybody. All the way down to the other end to a person that's like 50 feet away. And I become second to next, second to last in line. That's the last thing I wanted. What? I was furious already. So I'm just like, and I'm making sure that like, the, uh, this is bad of me. The TSA workers, I, they can hear me going, this is garbage. This is bull. This is bull. This is garbage. I was mad. I was mad. It was Totally stupid. expect that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I won't directly make eye contact and oh, say something worse. to them, but I'll make sure they overhear me saying something. Yeah, that's my move. huh? So uh, move. I am the most middle-aged white man of all time. Uh, so we finally get through. And then, you know, it's those huge bins. When you get to get your stuff extra, the huge bins usually mean you don't have to take your electronics out, right? Because they just say, mm-hmm. put your, your stuff in, uh, take your shoes off, take your jacket off, electronics stay in. That's typically what happens with the big, the big bins where you put everything in one. That's the typical move here. They didn't say anything. I just assumed I fly all the time. That's always been the case. I don't have to take the electronics out. Fine. So everything goes through. And then there's that moment. Your stomach sinks when you see... Your oh. bin go to the 
other roller lane as it comes through the x-ray machine. And that means they're going to check it. Yes. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so pissed off. I was so angry. So I'm sitting there, openly exasperated face. I just standing there like, come on, while the guy is carrying, slowly carrying my bin over so they can pick through it, whatever. So then uh, a woman comes over and goes, "Um, sweetie, you didn't take out your electronics. I didn't want to be called sweetie, first of all. (laughs) And two... Like, I felt dumb because I didn't take out the electronics, but it was the big bin. With the big bin, you don't take out the electronics. That's the small bins that you take out the electronics for. Not the big mm-hmm. bin. Mm-hmm. Not the big bin. Mm-hmm. So I was like, usually with the big bins, you don't take out the electronics. No, you did not. Yes, I did. And then she didn't say anything, and she walked back to put it through the x-ray machine again. So I walked all the way back to that other area, and I'm just like, like just seething, seething. So it goes through again. I carry it over. I'm, I'm not a guy who stands at where the bins come out to get dressed. I hate those people. Oh, yeah. If, you're, no. if you're a person who stands by where the bins come out in order to get dressed and you hold everybody else up, you're the worst kind of traveler. I want to make abundantly clear Absolutely. that you know that. Yes. So I carried my bins like a respectable citizen and a respectful citizen to the benches, and I'm putting my stuff on. Now, I have my, my you've seen it, Friday Night Lights, my FAU travel jumpsuit. Yeah. And so I had taken the jacket part off uh, per TSA rules, per FAA rules, and then I'm like, wait a minute, I've got my radio equipment, got my laptop, got my backpack, where is, um, where's my, my, my jumpsuit top? I can't find it. And I'm like, oh my God, did someone steal it? Did someone take it from the, the bin? Did someone take it from the bench and I wasn't looking and they just jacked it? But what's someone going to use do with an FAU Adidas like jacket? Like, who, why? Why in Atlanta would anybody want something like that? They are nice. They are pretty nice. But again, in Atlanta, why would anybody need something like that? <laughs> so I walk over and I'm walking around and I can't find it and I don't know what to do. because I'm like, God, man, like, this sucks. I, I need this thing. I walk over to the x-ray machines again, and I got the attention of one of the TSA people that's by the actual machine where the bin goes through. I'm like, hey, have you seen an Adidas FAU jacket at all? It's black. It's got a white stripe down the middle. And he did not want it. I mean, it was late. It was like 1030. He didn't want to be dealing with this. So he just kind of like side eyes. He walks over towards the machine, looks on the floor. Sure enough, there it is. It was on the floor underneath the x-ray machine. I don't know how it did that. I didn't know it could fall through the x-ray machine. It was just sitting there. And nobody bothered to look at it or pick it up or anything. Not where it comes out of the x-ray machine, but like underneath the actual x-ray machine where the public can't access it. It's just laying there. I didn't know that was possible. So the guy, though, instead of going, is this yours? He just picks it up, looks at me, walks over to the entrance side of the x-ray machine, doesn't hand it to me. Puts it in a bin to run it through the X-ray machine again. Just in case. So I'm just sitting there like, listen, bro. It already went through the X-ray machine clearly because it's been laying on the damn floor the whole time. So then it slowly goes through the X-ray machine. Are you mumbling? Uh, I'm just like, I no, I couldn't believe it. Like I was like eye rolling, but I couldn't believe it. I'm just like standing there waiting for this thing to come out. It comes out. I grab it. And the guy's nowhere to be found. Didn't acknowledge me once during the entire thing. Just picked it up, put it in the bin, tossed it to go through the x-ray machine again so that I could grab it. And that is just part of why I hate Hartsfield-Jackson Airport. Atlanta, your airport sucks. 
Has that ever happened to you where something of yours has fallen out of the x-ray machine? I didn't think that was possible. Negative. I didn't think it was possible. Negative. But if it were to happen to somebody, it would be you. I mean, who knew? Who knew? At least I learned something. But again, it was just laying on the floor. Just laying there. Nobody. I will say, if I'm behind somebody and their bag gets put to the side for not taking the electronics out, I'm trashing that guy under my breath. (laughs) What a noob. This this guy's first flight. (laughs) (laughs) You're traveling for the first time, bro? Wasting my time. I'm telling you, I go through the same exact thing. If someone doesn't take out their laptop or doesn't take out their device or they walk up and they're close to the x-ray machine, and by the way, noobs, you've got to escort your bin into the x-ray machine. You can't just yes. leave it and get Facts. in line, yes. noobs. Yeah. Uh, but then, oh, my watch. Oh, my wallet's still in my pocket. I'm just like, The old belt. The you old guys, belt. Ne- yeah, the old belt situation. Do you guys never travel? Do you never travel? Do you not know the rules? Take your shoes off. <laughs> Take your belt off. Take your wallet out and stay by the bin before you go in the x-ray machine. I'm totally like you. If someone, it, it gets sent to, uh, to the secondary lane to get rechecked, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's like, man... You should have known you had that Gatorade in there, bro. You should have known. Like, I am totally with you, but I became that guy. But then my jacket fell through the x-ray machine. How does that happen? What's the most annoying The most annoying traveler? What's the most annoying type of traveler that you encounter when you travel? What's the most annoying airport traveler you encounter? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Why do I get the feeling that it's me after that story? What's Absolutely. The, what's the most annoying airport traveler that you experience on a regular basis? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Tweeted us at ESPN West Palm. Jeanette Javier, I'm Ken LaVica. Friday Night Lights hanging out as well. We're live on ESPN 106.3. You are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken LaVica. Uh, we've got some, some really relatable entries on social media about the worst airport traveler that you encounter on a regular basis. But I'm telling you, Delta is not the only place that Atlanta Hartsfield Jackson Airport is the hub. The the Delta hub is not the only hub. It's also the hub of the worst travelers in the world. I mean, the people that make your skin crawl. The most annoying travelers where you would swear they've never been in an airport before or they haven't flown since 1968 when you still dressed up to go on a flight when you still got a hot meal on a flight. There are some, there are just some, some, (laughs) <laughs> unseemly characters in the airport, but especially Hartsfield Jackson on a regular basis. But the most, the the most annoying airport travelers that you encounter on a regular basis, 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776, tweeted us at ESPN West Palm, but I guess I sort of was one of them. I defied everything that I appreciate about myself as an, a, a very, very frequent traveler. I don't make mistakes, but because it was a big bin in a security line at 1030 at night in Atlanta just four days ago, I thought that I didn't have to take out my electronics, so I became that guy who got caught doing that because my bin went into the dreaded secondary line once it came <laughs> out of the x-ray machine, and, and then I, I had a jacket fall through the x-ray machine i didn't know that was possible i didn't know it was an open bottom in the x-ray machine well now you know thank you for doing the research for us I appreciate might. it everybody make sure you you staple your clothing into your bin apparently uh you don't have that problem on brightline because brightline you walk in 
and they have the overhead compartment. You just put your, your bag up there. You put it on the seat next to you. If you have the premium seat and spread out a little bit, enjoy a drink and say, man, I'm just glad I'm not at the airport. Brightline is awesome. Brightline is back and better than ever. New restaurant station upgrades and the new Brightline Plus service to get you to and from stations. Going car-free, carefree in South Florida. It is easier than ever. Trains running daily between Miami, West Palm, and Fort Lauderdale. By the way, last night, for those of you that uh, took Brightline to the Miami station and walked over to FTX Arena, congrats on you, because not only did you get a heat win, but you got the easiest way to get to heat games. Right now, groups of four or more can save 25% on smart fares. Just enter the code all aboard on the Brightline app or on gobrightline.com. Get your discount whether riding with family, friends, or colleagues. Plus, kids under the age of 12 get to ride the Brightline for free with the purchase of an adult ticket. There's no reason not to. It's the fastest, easiest way to get through South Florida. Download the Brightline app or visit gobrightline.com and enjoy the Brightline. It's back and better than ever in 2022. Here is my short advice. Get the Brightline app or go to gobrightline.com. Get the premium ticket have a drink at the station, kick your feet up, have a drink on the ride. It gets brought to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like paradise on a track. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's utopia on a track. It's Brightline. Go Brightline.com. All right, check these out because I'm pretty sure, pretty sure that that all of us have seen these people. We asked on social media, uh, what's the worst type of airport traveler that you regularly encounter? And some of these are really, really, really good. So Shane Bartels uh, tweets, the one who never travels and doesn't know how the airport works. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Now, that person is one specific type of person. There's the person who's having the phone conversation that is sitting in the waiting area like, you want to hear that person's conversation. On speakerphone. On speakerphone. Earphones, earbuds for the newer phones. Get them. Invest in them. For everybody's sake, please, nobody wants to hear your conversation about your father and the bench that he's building. I don't know nobody why that was an does. example. Nobody, and it's never good speakerphone quality no, if it's that just even exists. Absolutely just... miserable. It is miserable. Now, Andrew Abramson, uh, he tweets, the person who raises their window shade on the 6 a.m. flight. Uh, so I used to be that guy. What? Actually, I why? used to be the guy who would keep it because I, I, I didn't think about it. You have your window up because it's dark out, and then the sun's coming up, and you just keep it up because I like to look at the clouds. I like to look at things. But then I realized me liking to look at the United States of America from 35,000 feet, (laughs) that's not good for people that are trying to sleep. And so I do not, on morning flights, lift my window shade until we begin the descent to wherever we're going because I do like to look at the surroundings wherever we're going to land and I think that's fair there's like 10 or 15 minutes left in the flight wake your ass up because you better be up and ready to get out of the plane by the time we land that's just a very strategic move by you and yeah. I agree with it yeah but that's a good call because I used to be that guy and then I learned my lesson now let me know if you agree with this Lane tweets the barefoot person pajama buttons person or the 6am hot dog eater those are the pl- those are the people he can't stand at the airport let the 6 a.m. hot dog eater live their best <laughs> life. That's what I like about yeah. the airport. There's no judgments on what you yeah. drink. There's no judgments on what you eat. I so agree. back off the 6 a.m. hot dog I'm eater. I'm actually okay <laughs> with the 6 a.m. hot dog eater, and I'm okay with the 7 a.m. liquor drinker uh, at the airport thriving. bar as well. <laughs> That's at 8 a.m., 7 a.m. We found who Jeanette is. Friday Night Lights, <laughs> what about you? Because I, like, I feel like you're a pajama bottom guy. 
I'm all three. I'm the seven no, hot dog eater. I'm barefoot, barefoot oh, all the time. You know, no. I show up in thongs and, and and slides all day, every every day of the oh week. Oh my god! Here. When he first said thongs, oh, I know, I know, me too. Well, I mean, he does th- have those two. He does have great thighs. Those I mean, two. Yeah. Oh but my god! It's a seven a.m. hot dog or a seven a.m. liquor. I'm barefoot in PJs if it's a six a.m. So I feel really attacked. Right. That's right. disgusting. I need to make a declaration right now. Okay. Anybody over the age of 15 that wears pajama pants out in public, outside of walking their dog in the morning, you need to reevaluate your life. Bye, Stone. You clearly are not prioritizing correctly. And you know what? It's just really lazy and gross. It's disgusting. If you are over the age of 15 and you wear pajama pants in public, outside of walking your dog in the morning... I would venture to guess you have a problem and need to see somebody about that problem. You have deeper issues than just fashion sense. Maybe they're yelling for help. Maybe you need to go up to them and you're like, are you okay? What do you need? Do you want me to buy you a liquor drink? (laughs) Yeah, it's a a subtle plea for help. No pajama pants, nothing subtle about them out in public. Now, that brings me to barefoot person. So Lane definitely hit on a lot of key points here. Barefoot person at the airport. (laughs) Who wears sandals to the airport? Who wears slides to the airport without socks? And that's another discussion, socks with slides. But at the airport, it's necessary. If you're one of those people that is wearing slide-on shoes with no socks and you have your bare feet on the hard, cold, tile, COVID-ridden floor at any of the airports in this country, you are disgusting. Do you wipe your feet off afterwards, Tony? You just throw the shoes right right back on and say, time to go get a Mai Tai at 7.30 in the morning. You just take the heel of your other foot and you scrape off the crumbs and and the little pebbles that that are on the ground from the bottom of your shoes. What are you doing with your life? Are you okay? And you slide on it and you stroll onto that gate. I am going to vomit. The, the Your jacket was on the floor with my pebble, sweaty uh, feet. How does God, that make man. you feel, Ken? I am, I am. Uh, the the imagery of him using his other foot to clean <laughs> off the other bare foot that was on the tile floor at the airport that, is mortifying. That does absolutely nothing. You're not cleaning anything. If there are pebbles and stuff like in hair that I can feel, you get it uh, straight off. <laughs> Oh man, I am going Boop. to be ill. Well, one of my my most annoying person at the airport is actually on the plane when the plane lands. Mm-hmm. The pr- no, and you know what? I have a I have a story about go the ahead, clapping. go off. I have the story <laughs> about the clapping. It is okay to clap on air. I'm not talking about the clapping. I'm talking about standing up as soon as it lands. Oh, st- yes. Okay, standing go up ahead. as soon as it yeah, lands. Please don't. That unless it's a storm, don't clap for the pilot. He's doing his job. Nobody no. claps for no, us no, when no, we're no. done with the back show. Back off. Back <laughs> off the person who claps on the airplane, okay? No. Back <laughs> off that person. Are you an airplane clapper? I used to be. Oh, no. And very proudly. <laughs> because you know what? It was a culture shock for me that people didn't clap on the plane. Because everybody from the Caribbean claps when that plane lands. <laughs> what the hell? Absolutely. Oh, when I would go on flights from the Dominican Republic to here and Puerto Rico to here, every way the plane, every I was cheering. We're cheering for the pilot. Yes, thank you for making us. Thank you for landing us safely. Hey, Levanus, it was a celebration of life. After every show, I expect you to clap for me now. Oh okay? my! I God. want an applause now. That's because they're they're just happy the plane landed safely. We are in the Dominican you. Republic. We are thank you, you pilot. Are, we are excited. Are I am feeling good. Thank, and now here's a clap for you. By the Least way, you deserve. Uh, I do need to. Uh, I, I do need to read this entry because uh, uh, Pitt defensive line coach Charlie Partridge uh, listening right now. Uh, he tweets the guy who finishes his entire damn water 
hours, everyone's trying to get through TSA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, whoa, God, this is in here? And then all of a sudden, he's just <laughs> chugging the water. Yeah, for sure. That's entertainment. For sure, yeah. And then he's like, coffee's... And then he's trying to continue like, to down it. Like there's not more water on the well, other side. But the side. problem is the water on the other side is like $7. Like, I kind of get it. But you, you, you sip, it, sip it in the, in the, in the ticket line. Or the person who, when you're on the planet, I'm going to leave it at this. This actually has like brought me to seeing red before. The person who doesn't understand how to get off the plane. One row, one row, yes. one row, one row, one row, one row. The person who's just trying to, and they don't have another flight to catch, but they're just barging up because they think they're going to, they're missing something or they're going to miss their bag. Uh-uh. That is the worst travel etiquette. That's worse than Stone Labanowitz's bare-ass feet uh, on the, the, the airport tile in the TSA line. I can't stand that person on the plane who doesn't wait for the row in front of them to exit. We share we share that because I make it a point. I'll get red as well. Like, I'll stick a leg out if, if you're a row behind me Your trying to get in front of me. I'll st- Oh, yeah. I'll stick a leg out. You're not getting off the plane before me if <laughs> you're, you're behind me. He's going with the Joel Embiid box out. I appreciate <laughs> that. Ken Levick alive here on ESPN 106.3. And what's becoming a regular occurrence, uh, really late and didn't get to the listening lines. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, Ken Levick alive with Jeanette Javier here on ESPN 106.3. Uh, we've got you until 2 o'clock. We're going to debut Jeanette's sports movie spectacular in just a couple of moments. Jeanette. Kind of knows sports, doesn't know sports movies. So what are we going to do? She is going to she is going to review sports movies for us on a regular basis here on Ken Levick Alive. Uh, we'll give you the movie and we'll get you the debut of the segment in uh, just mere moments. But let's get to the EDS air conditioning coolest moment of the weekend. Time now for the coolest moment of the week. Cool. Cool, yeah. The coolest moment of the week is brought to you by EDS Air Conditioning. And actually, it's very fitting that Pitt defensive line coach Charlie Partridge listening right now because he's the man, is the head coach of FAU, who recruited this man to Florida Atlantic, who scored not one, but two touchdowns this weekend for the Buffalo Bills in their route of the Patriots. Seven possessions, seven touchdowns. You know where my FAU heart is going. In this EDS coolest moment of the weekend, it's Devin Singletary, flat out touchdown maker. Second down and one, Singletary straight ahead. That's right. Devin Singletary, all he does is find the end zone. Year four in Buffalo has been his best year. He's a big reason, whether you want to admit it or not, why the Bills are as prolific offensively as they are. Devin Singletary, go FAU. He is the EDS Air Conditioning Coolest Moment of the Week. EDS Air Conditioning. EDS is, yes, EDS Air Conditioning is where you need to go to make sure that your AC is working or make sure that your AC is replaced because it's, we talked about it yesterday, Jeanette. We're getting closer to warm weather every day, humid weather, miserable weather every day. And guess what? Back in the mid-80s today here in Palm Beach County in the Treasure Coast, guess what you're going to need to flip on today? The AC. Guess what you're going to need on overnight so you can sleep? The AC. And if it's not working, 
You are S-O-L. E-D-S. E-D-S is yes. E-D-S Air Conditioning. They've been doing it since 2006. E-D-S-AirConditioning.com. Sets your appointment. They are working their appointment schedules around you. They're a train comfort specialist. It's hard to stop a train. That's E-D-S Air Conditioning. E-D-S-AirConditioning.com. The listing lunch, a little bit late, but alas, we'll have it. She's Jeanette Javier. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. You are listening to Ken Levick Alive on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken Levicka. Time to dig into that sandwich. We're about to bring you the listing lunch. It's the best radio to compliment your Sandwich. I don't know. Ken Levick alive with Jeanette Javier here on ESPN 106.3. Middays every day, 12 to 2. Uh, ballpark of the Palm Beaches. They have sandwiches. They also have a lot of other food. Great concessions. Grab a drink and enjoy spring training at the ballpark of the Palm Beaches. Single game tickets are on sale now. American League champion Houston Astros call it home, as do the Washington Nationals. Ballparkpalmbeaches.com. That's the website. Right now, military and senior discount days. Visit the website for more information ballparkpalmbeaches.com. Check out these games scheduled. Grapefruit League action in spring training. Uh, March 12th, the Braves come in to take on the Astros in a World Series rematch. March 18th, that's right, the Yankees, the Pinstripers come through. The Red Sox three days later on March 21st. The Mets are coming from St. Lucie to take on both teams at Palm Park. The Palm Beaches six different times in spring training. That is Ballpark, the Palm Beaches. It's my spring training home. Not just the Astros and Nationals, but the spring training home of Ken Lavica as well. You'll see me out there. Ballpark, the Palm Beaches. Ballparkpalmbeaches.com Time now for the listening lunch. The audio clips that you absolutely have to hear. And we will react to them here on Ken Lavica Live as you enjoy your lunchtime. Last night, Drama in Los Angeles. Feels like every game now is all drama all the time with LeBron's team. Is Frank Vogel going to be fired? Is LeBron washed? Is he the washed king? Which is a nickname that LeBron, I think, gave himself. And then he blamed it on other people. But last night, the Lakers, in an ugly home loss to the Pacers, 111-104. Russell Westbrook, who, by the way, LeBron signed to the Lakers in the offseason, was benched for the final four minutes in this one. Here is the explanation from Lakers head coach, Frank Vogel. Yeah, playing the guys, I thought we were going to win the game. That's simple as that. Let's hear it one more time. Yeah, playing the guys, I thought we were going to win the game. Yep. That's what I say about dating, too. <laughs> oh man, that was good. That was actually really, really good. And I sort of shot snot out of my nose with that as well. That was an interesting reaction. Uh, so let's go through the numbers here uh, with Russell Westbrook. 27 minutes, much like Joel Embiid. 27 minutes, except Joel Embiid had 50, and Russell Westbrook put up 14 points last night. And he was a turnover machine. And he was 5 of 17 from the field. Russell Westbrook is having a miserable season this year. I mean, it has been really difficult to to watch. Uh, he is shooting 43% from the field right now. He's only 66% from the free throw line. He's a liability. He's taking jump shots that are hitting the top of the backboard. Not coming off the heel of the rim and hitting the top of the backboard, but mid-range jumpers that are hitting the top of the backboard. Russell Westbrook, this is getting a little bit sad. Now, LeBron was asked about what he thought about Frank Vogel 
benching Russell Westbrook last night. And here's LeBron's interesting answer after the Lakers' loss. Um. <laughs> have you followed Russ throughout his career? Okay. Have you followed Russ throughout this season? Yeah. Yeah. Now, would you think that would bother Russ not being in the late game? Okay. Good answer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, LeBron is not going to right now openly throw Frank Vogel under the bus, but he never really does throw a coach under the bus. He does stuff like that. Like an indirect, mm-hmm. an indirect. Hey, LeBron, um, do you think Russ was upset? Well, do you, do you, have you followed Russ? Do you think he'd be upset not to, to be on the floor? When, when LeBron says things like that, that reflects on the head coach. That reflects on Frank Vogel. That's an obvious frustration with Frank Vogel. Because Russ is LeBron's guy. LeBron's responsible for Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. But it's become increasingly clear Russell Westbrook's done. It's not just this season. It's the last three seasons. But then, and I I love Russ. I love season average triple-double Russ. But this isn't that Russ. And Russ is going out sad. Yep. This hurts. As someone who's a Russell Westbrook fan, we're seeing the end, and we're going to see the Lakers fracture over it, and we're going to see Frank Vogel get fired over it because LeBron is going to uh, toss him overboard of that Lakers ship. But... He's going out sad. This is one of the saddest end of careers I can remember for an athlete. Russ is there, and it makes you feel bad. And for LeBron to kind of just react that way, too, does it make the situation even better? It adds more drama. It sounded very petty towards Frank Vogel. I don't like the way he responded with that. Uh, I mean, LeBron does the thing, and and he also was talking about, I'm not going to say anything. I'm a positive person. I'm not going to say anything where you can make headlines. But... When he says things like that, anyone with a brain knows that that reflects and he's referencing Frank Vogel when he says, you think Russell was upset that he wasn't in the game? But he did this. I know, this is on LeBron. This This wasn't Frank Vogel's decision. Absolutely. So own up to it. Take some accountability. Don't all of a sudden blame the coach because Frank Vogel is there. That is not your job. Yeah. Your job is to uplift your boy that you brought over. Stone, can you remember another athlete that went out as sad as... And I know that there's going to be a lot of Dan Marino. Because, sure. But that was one... Uh, was he the same guy the last couple of years? No. But was he like this? No. He had the 62-7 to playoff loss to Jacksonville, which is his last game. But that was a one-off game. Like, Russ, this decline, this precipitous decline has been a couple of years in the making. And now it's almost cringe to watch him even do the most basic things on the floor. What is another example of an athlete that has gone out as sad as Russell Westbrook is. You're going to make me do this to my boy, Cam Newton? Oh, that's mean, a good one. This is Not the same guy ugly. for three years. Yeah. It is just not the same. And there's no coming back. Like, LA's in such a spotlight. You're saying Le- LeBron could have deflected it? LeBron knows this is going to be all we're talking about mm-hmm. for the next week. It's just inevitable. Cam Newton, there's not much else to say. Yeah. It, it almost, like Shaq, the end of Shaq was sort of sad. Where he's getting 10, 11 minutes. He can't move. He's just lumbering up and down the floor. He couldn't jump anymore. That was a little bit sad. Carmelo was almost sad. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, he had a complete career rejuvenation mm-hmm. and found a role. Uh, Dwayne Wade, if Cavs, oh if Cavs Chicago was the end of his career, he'd be in this conversation. But then he mm-hmm. came down to the heat, and he was 
MVP Dwayne Wade again. I do think settings matter. LA was never going to be a good setting for Russell Westbrook, and that's home for him. And it's just not a good setting. He's never been the same since Oklahoma City. He's never been the same where he was the guy because he hasn't been the guy anywhere else. And I think he has to be the guy where he is the one dictating everything that a team does offensively. But he's so diminished now that he can't serve that role. So now I don't think there's any place for him to rejuvenate his career like a Carmelo did, like a Dwayne Wade. And he's not willing to go to the bottom feeders and be no. the guy. Oh, no, 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 no. He's not at that stage of his yeah, career. Yeah, because the Magic would be no. very happy to take him, but he wouldn't go to no, a small market he, team. He's not like going to go to New Magic. Orleans. He's exactly. not going to do anything like that. I think we're seeing the end of Russell Westbrook, and it's really it's really sad. And did you watch him poster Rudy Gobert oh, I know. two nights ago? I know. Like, if he, he still got played, that stuff. If, yeah, if he would have played well last night, it's like that, that dunk, you know, could have, like, Got everyone looking the other way. Like, oh, you know, he's still that explosive player, but no. But he can't he he can't take care of the ball and he can't shoot. Twenty-five percent from three point land this year. You shoot a hundred, you're making twenty-five of them. Yeah. Seventy-five of them are not going in the net. It's really sad. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh man, that's awful. 32% on the season, 25% from three in 2022. Russell Westbrook. By the way. Uh, Friday Night Lights sent me this. Since the adoption of the three-point arc in 79, nobody with 3,000 career attempts, all 100 players, with Steph Curry at the top of the list at 43.3%, has shot the ball worse from long range than Westbrook. His 30.5% mark is worse than Jerry Stackhouse, worse than Allen Iverson, worse than everybody. Does that mean he's the worst three-point shooter of all time? Russell Westbrook's the worst three-point shooter in NBA history. Like, that's what that means. <laughs> that's a stat. Has there been any other athlete that has gone out as sad as Russell Westbrook is going out? Any other athlete that has gone out as sad as Russell Westbrook is going out? And you know what? He had one fleeting moment, legendary to end a legendary career. But I'd argue, come at me, Yankees fans, Derek Jeter's in this conversation. Because the last two years of his career, he went out sad. Has there been an athlete who's gone out as sad as Russell Westbrook? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And tweeted us at ESPN West Palm. Is there an athlete who has gone out, who has wrapped it up as sad as Russell Westbrook is? 888-760-3776. We'll discuss that when we return and the debut of Jeanette's Sports movie spectacular. She's Jeanette Javier. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. Yeah, Russell Westbrook's going out sad. He's benched for the final four minutes last night. The Lakers lose again. It's drama all the time. LeBron is inadvertently uh, targeting Frank Vogel. I think it's a matter of time before Frank Vogel loses his job. I just... I, I'm wondering who's gone out as sad as Russell Westbrook in their career because I wouldn't be surprised if if two years from now, like Russell Westbrook is not playing in the NBA anymore. But, Jeanette, you had a name that I even think about that I think is an excellent one. Who did you say you thought was sad going out? Brett Favre. Yes. Yes, that's perfect. So Brett Favre leaves Green Bay after an NFC Championship appearance in 2007. I worked in Madison, Wisconsin at the time at our sister station uh, up there in Good Karma Brands, and it was intense i mean packers fans fell back in love with brett Favre. there was uh it, it was uh, i can't believe this is happening this is amazing it was fun it was four months of just celebration up there in wisconsin cheese beer and packers like that was my life nah. for for a four-month span it ruled and i got fat as hell but then uh he leaves he goes to new york mm-hmm. that was 
trash. He was bad. He's sending uh, unspeakably X-rated pictures to Jen Sturger. He's getting blasted in the face by the Dolphins in the finale as the Dolphins win the AFC East. Just bad. Bad all the way around. But then he goes to Minnesota. The Vikings go to the NFC Championship game. He rejuvenates his career. But then, in his final season, that second season, you remember, guys, that Vikings players went down to Hattiesburg, Mississippi to camp out in front of his home to talk him into coming back to Minnesota for one more year after they lost in the NFC Championship game. So he did so, and the Vikings regretted it. He got hurt. He only played in 13 games. He only threw for 2,500 yards after coming off of over 4,000 yards the season before. So even though he only played 13 games, to have a drop-off of nearly 2,000 yards is pretty, pretty, pretty significant. How about this touchdown-to-interception ratio? All right, Friday Night Lights, former Division I college quarterback. I want to see your face. 11 touchdowns, 19 interceptions in his final season with the Vikings. That is is for a former quarterback like Stone, vomit-inducing. It's almost harder to do than the other way around. So, 11, uh, 11 touchdowns and 19 interceptions is almost harder to do than 19 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. Double. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's, it's, not, it's, it's hard to keep throwing the ball to the other team as often as Brett Favre did. Let me that's look up Zach one. Wilson right now, like what he's done this year. And if it's not as bad as Zach Wilson right now, that is something. I don't think it was. I don't think it was, I, and I don't know Zach Wilson right off the top of my head, but Jeanette, that's perfect. Brett Favre is completely right. It because is perfect. Also, it was around the time that we started hearing about what happened with him in New York. So it wasn't just his poor play. It wasn't just that Vikings fans were done with him, and it was clear that it was his career was over, but also, oh yeah, he's sending phone pictures to Jen Sturger mm-hmm. of, of Minnie Favre, and that's a problem. Mm-hmm. That's a major, major issue. Uh, and uh, that was, he definitely went out sad. I think that's absolutely perfect. He went out really sad, just like Russell Westbrook. And I know you're an NBA person. You love watching basketball. I know you've appreciated Russell Westbrook, but it's sad to see what's happening right now. He's, you can't play him, and you can't play him in big moments. And it's weird because when you think of Russell, Russell Westbrook, you obviously think of Mr. Triple-Double. Mm-hmm. You think of this man who's put up amazing numbers in the game of basketball throughout his whole entire career. So it's kind of sad to see him just be being benched last night. Now he's Mr. Triple Trouble. Uh, he oh. can't hit from the field. He can't hit from three, and he's turning the ball over. Like that's that, It's bad. That was really corny, by the that way. Was too- I will I never, it. ever do that again. Mr. Triple Trouble, Russell Westbrook. I'm going to trademark that and then never use it again. I hope you're proud. It should never see the light of day. I'm actually not proud of that. <laughs> uh, time now for Jeanette's Sports Movie Spectacular. Jeanette, every week, as someone who has never really seen any sports movies at all, in fact, uh, she is one of the least learned sports movie human beings I've ever met in my entire life, so we're going to make her watch a sports movie every week, and she's going to review it right here on Ken LaVica Live. Jeanette, what movie are we reviewing today? Hoosiers. Hoosiers is our first entry. Hoosiers, the Indiana basketball classic of the 80s. Why does Jimmy play in jeans? Jimmy played in jeans a lot. And then he put the Converse on top of that, too, which I never really understood. So Jimmy Chitwood, uh, Jimmy Chitwood, the the lead character, 
or one of the lead characters. One of them, yes. Your your first observation is why did he wear jeans so often? Yes, playing basketball. Okay. Like there's outfits specifically, and if you are like the hottest guy around who plays basketball, like wouldn't you kind of play in something else? Uh, so keep in mind that this was set in 1952. Okay, so it's not like this was. Set in the 80s. In 1952, if you lived in rural Indiana, and this was really rural Indiana, you probably wore jeans while playing pickup basketball or just shooting in your dusty driveway against your wooden backboard. In 1952, Converse were the Jordans. Yeah, yeah. Converse was the shoe in the 50s. We've come a long way, folks. (laughs) We've come a very long way. What else uh, were your observations, your review of Hoosiers? Lots of bolo ties with the ugly hair and the big man clubs. And every house in the movie looked like it belonged in a horror film. (laughs) Again, 1952, rural Indiana. Uh, Stone, I'm getting the sense here that most of Jeanette's observations from Hoosiers are more what people were wearing and the aesthetics of the movie as opposed to the actual plot and the lesson we're supposed to learn from the movie. Well, I have a couple of those. Okay. I have a couple of those. (laughs) One of them was the kiss between Miss Fletcher. Okay. This is how the kiss went. Let's go for a walk and let me kiss you when I'm when I'm finished with this manure. Miss Fletcher, uh, uh, Barbara Hershey, by the way, and Gene Hackman, right? Yes. Yeah, the head coach. Yes. Norman yes. Dale. That was really weird for me. I'm, we're going to go on this walk. After I finished, I was messing with this manure mm-hmm. poop, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to kiss you. Very romantic. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you the same response that I've given you for the other two observations. 1952, rural Indiana. You know what you did in Indiana in 1952? You drove a Studebaker. You play basketball, and you shoveled manure and then kissed people. Oh, okay. Also, I loved how there was no big game speech right before the big championship game. There was no big speech. He was just like, all right, let's go. Boom, let's they win believed. the game. Because they believed. You had already learned the lesson. He had already instilled the confidence, and that's how they went on to win the 1952 Indiana State Basketball and Championship. one of the wins was, was with a two-hand free throw toss. Well, again, 1952 in Indiana. It was bizarre to me. I've never seen that in my life. You win a game throwing the ball like you do the grandma I mean, bowling I move mean, that's in the bowling alley. You've never... You've you've never seen the, the the two-handed underhand free throw in a professional basketball game? Oh, it's a thing. Well, you haven't seen it in the pros in a while. Yes, that was weird to me. Okay. And that's how we won the game, and it was slow motion. It was so dramatic. It was very very weird to me. So it seems to me. And by the way, just look up YouTube videos of Rick Barry free throws if you could, uh, Jeanette, because you'll get a new appreciation of. Uh, of underhand free throws and why they're superior to overhand free throws. If you want the explanation, <laughs> just ask Rick Barry. He'll tell you. Uh, Can't but, wait. Uh, it, it seems to me that you don't have a favorable impression of Hoosiers. The plot was good. There were wonderful quotes, a lot of quotes. One Did you of write them, any of them down? Yes, I okay. took many of them down. Okay. I ain't no gizzard. Like, me neither, bro. I'm not no gizzard either. I have no idea what a gizzard are, but he said it with such enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not one of those two. Okay. So never call me a gizzard. Mm-hmm. Sun what? don't shine on the same dog's ass every day, but mister, you ain't seen a ray of light since you since you got down here. Okay. Like I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. wow that, that, was, that wasn't it. It took a while for, for Norman Dale to, to latch on with the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, God wants you on the floor. Mm-hmm. Strap, God wants you on the floor. I was like, oh, okay. Um, Did that inspire you? Uh, maybe. Okay. 
I was if somebody said God wants you on the floor, be, I had more questions. But God really talked to you about me. I have other questions that I would like to talk to God about. Please let me know if I have these the ability to ask Him through you. And then what is uh, what's one more quote that inspired you that stood out to you from the feature film Hoosiers? Two kinds of gu- dumb guy that gets naked and runs out, and the dog barks mm-hmm. at, and then the guy who does the same thing in my living room. The first one doesn't matter. The second one doesn't matter. The, the second one you're forced to deal with. Cool. I was like, this was really interesting. Wow, I'm very motivated by Clearly inspiring since uh, we just butchered it uh, on the execution. So, uh, as we're going to do, every one of uh, (laughs) Jeanette's Sports Movie Spectaculars, you're a uh, a proud Dominican, uh, we will rate things one through five plantains. Five plantains being the best, one being the worst. Hoosiers, how many plantains does it get, Jeanette? It gets uh, three plantains. Three plantains. Three plantains. I would watch it again, but it's not something that, like, if it's on TV, I would be like, I can't wait to watch yeah. Hoosiers again. Uh, what uh, what movie are we reviewing next week? Raging Bull. Raging Bull is our review next week for Jeanette's Sports Movie Spectacular. Thank you, Jeanette. Ken LeVick alive here on ESPN 106.3. We will return for the final couple of minutes. Uh, oh, actually, we're just going to ride through. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Jeanette Javier, Ken Levicka, Ken Levicka live here on ESPN 106.3. Uh, so you've got, uh, you've, you've got, oh, wait, what? I, I totally blanked. What do you have again next week? Next week? Yeah. Raging, Raging Bull. Bull. Raging Bull, that's right. Okay. The one with okay. Robert De Niro, directed by Martin Scorsese. Yes, 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 yeah. Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro. Okay. Young Robert De Niro. So wait, it seemed to me, Stone, that you had not seen Hoosiers either based on your reaction when you found out what uh, what movie we were. I've definitely not seen Hoosiers, but I've seen the clip of the slow-mo underhand granny shot free it was, throw. It was really weird. It, it, it's I, very dramatic. I liked it, but I've never seen the movie. It's a good movie. I would recommend you watching it as a sports. It didn't fan. sound like it. It was just culturally. It was very culturally different from anything else I've witnessed. A lot of cornfields again. A lot of horror movies. <laughs> I would not touch poop and then kiss a guy that I'm interested in. Three plantains isn't going to convince me, but I'll give it a shot. How about being a red-blooded American male should be enough of uh, of convincing <laughs> to get you to see that movie, huh? Very true. Can I give a shout out to another quote? That I completely skipped yeah, sure. over. My practices aren't designed for your enjoyment. When he said that, when Gene, Gene Hackman, Hackman, Norman Dale, yes, when he said that, I literally clapped. I remember. I have it in my notes. I was like, "Dang right! No, these practices are hard work, dedication. <laughs> Don't come in strolling through here thinking that it's a show. We're trying to win something out here. Okay. God wants you on the floor. God, God wants, wants you on, you on the floor, strap. Exactly. See, that's a good... If you talked with Evan Cohen, Evan would point to that. God wants you on the floor, strap, as one of the the quotes of the movie that would have him standing up, like punching his hand into a wall. He would be jacked over that. He loves Hoosiers. Evan loves Hoosiers. He, yes, the theme song is one of the songs that gets him motivated and pumped up. You know what? Could you find the Hoosiers theme real quick, Stone, while I'm telling people about the South Florida Fair? Because I would argue the Hoosiers theme is actually overrated. South Florida Fair going on right now at the South Florida Fairgrounds. Go to southfloridafair.com for your passes. There's the Lumi on the Expo East Stage, the Yesteryear Village. You have all of the food options, all of the buying options, the Rock and Robots Ice Show, all of it at the South Florida Fair. It is the best. SouthFloridaFair.com. Again, going on right now at the South Florida Fairgrounds in West Palm Beach. SouthFloridaFair.com. Get your passes. Get your family 
really set up and get out to the South Florida Fair, the rides, the food, the fun, that's South Florida Fair. Stone, if you could uh, if you could play the, the Hoosiers theme real quick, because some people swear by this, and I'm just I'm just not really into it. There's a movie that's set in the 50s, right? 1952 in Indiana. Let's go ahead and, and hear it, Friday Night Lights. There is too much synthesizer I love the synthesizer. for me. The synthesizer wasn't a thing in 1952. So you have a movie based in 1952 that has a soundtrack that's based in 1984. It was ahead of its time. No, but but it doesn't fit. That's my biggest gripe with Hoosiers, and it's why I've never considered it one of my all-time favorite movies, is that I don't know how a movie set in the early 50s has its main theme that sounds so abundantly 80s. So what would you want instead? What's a what's a more appropriate fifties? I don't know, like something something Sinatra-ish or something like Buddy Holly-ish, something like that, like something that comes like out of the fifties. Not swing. Swing was in in the fifties. That's like the forties, Jeanette. Get your twentieth century music in order. Yeah, but the early fifties, it's not this. It's not this. It's the song ahead. You of could its have time. something. What if there's something with even or an, an orchestral arrangement? Like, strings span you generations. Want Hans Zimmer to come through with the Hoosiers. Yes, <laughs> yes. If, <laughs> come through with that Hoosiers actually, theme song. What a phenomenal pull on your part. Yes, if Hans Zimmer came out with the soundtrack to Hoosiers as opposed to synthesizers, it would make more sense to me. Something with strings, maybe trombones, maybe a French horn or two. <laughs> a couple of those. <laughs> even a, even an electric guitar-based song. Would make more sense for 1952 no, synthesizer. Plastic rock wasn't thriving until the late no, 60s. No, but it existed. <laughs> synthesizers didn't exist in 1952. That's my point. But the doors, the doors were the doors around. were not around in 1952. They weren't. How old do you think Jim Morrison was? Well, he was 27 when he passed. Uh-huh. That's what I know. <laughs> 19. The doors were not around in 1952. It was close. It was close. The doors were close to being around. I would argue Jim Morrison was actually born around 1952. My dad just texted me. Top 10 movie of all time, Five Plantains. Five Plantains. So, uh, Mr. Friday Night Lights, Friday Night Lights Sr. says that it's a top 10 movie and it's Five Plantains. Can't believe you haven't seen it. I'm pissed at that. Ah, we're, we're watching it tonight. So, UFO. <laughs> so, so, Stone has date night with his dad. Thank you. He shows to reveal... Uh, he chose to review, uh, reveal in a top 50 radio market in the country that he's never seen Hoosiers. And you're 24? 23. 23, still. No excuse. And I think your father agrees. As a red-blooded American male, that's reason enough to see Hoosiers. Am I a big fan of the movie? No, because, again, the soundtrack bothers me. But as an American, have I seen it? You're damn right, Stone. I'm ashamed. Yeah, you've, you've, you've shamed your father. By the way, <laughs> Jim Morrison in 1952 was nine years old. I was close. So the doors were not around in 1952, <laughs> Casey Kasem. Uh, <laughs> next week, uh, it is, uh, why do I keep forgetting what we're doing next week for, for the Jeanette movie review raging bull sports movie spectacular raging bull I should probably write that down oh oh you know we forgot to get to all right are you going to what what have you determined with your playoff game Jeanette we don't need the synthesizers anymore stone uh we're on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here well Uh, stone has it stone what am I I'm a hustler, baby. I'm a hustler. 
Someone did some uh, some pre-show planning without Ken. All right, uh, so so what are you doing Sunday for the Buccaneers and the Rams? Sunday, I have I'm, I'm going to the game on Sunday. I'm going to a tailgate party. Okay, uh, as we discussed yesterday, so you're not waiting for the Super Bowl to see the Buccaneers. No, I am not. I am as going. we established yesterday, you had a budget of $1,000. You desperately wanted to see the Buccaneers in person one more time in case the championship window closes, in case Brady for some reason decides that this is it for him. You wanted to see them one more time make a Super Bowl run. You were thinking, maybe I'll just go to the Super Bowl. But that's foolish because they could lose before they go to the Super Bowl. Yes. But you also didn't want to sit in the lower deck of Raymond James Stadium against the Rams on Sunday because, as you put it, you're fancy. Okay, but the cheapest lower bowl tickets were $1,900. Your budget was $1,000. There were affordable tickets in the upper bowl for $400. What is your plan? What are you doing? Have you succumbed to capitalism? Lower bowl tickets to Sunday's game at 3 p.m. For how much? They were $700. How? Ticket oh, money. So you didn't have to, you didn't have to, uh, to have someone slide into your DMs. No, or no, no, sugar Put together daddy. a week, a convenient weekend relationship. You just found on on the resale market seven hundred dollar lower bowl tickets. I do not have. Yes. Wow. Congratulations. Resale. Thank you. That's a great job by you. Sunday is going to be a really big day for me. That is intuitiveness at its best. I'm proud of you. Uh, someone made the comment on social media, I'm sure you saw it yesterday, that uh, you were you came off as entitled yesterday by saying you would only sit in the lower bowl. I mean, not really, since I'll be eating ramen noodles with <laughs> hot dogs and mac and cheese yeah, for a little an, bit. Those aren't be- entitled meals. Because I have a trip to California that I also have to go to mm-hmm. at the end of February. But you found lower bowl tickets to the NFC Divisional Round for $700. Absolutely. What more do you want? I mean, I'm proud. I'm really proud of you. Thank you. That's excellent. (laughs) I am really impressed. I don't know how you pulled that off. Unbelievable. And Jeanette... At $700, spending about $600 more than I would to go to an NFL playoff game. That <laughs> makes me really cheap and, Jeanette, dangerously extravagant. That'll do it for us here on Ken LeVick Alive. want to thank Friday Night Lights, Stone Labanowitz, who has a date with uh, Father Labanowitz to watch Hoosiers tonight. You're welcome. Good God, you're 23 <laughs> and you haven't seen Hoosiers. You're right. You're a disgrace to your family, Stone. For Jeanette Javier, who has some plans at Raymond James Stadium for $700 this weekend, I'm Ken LeVicka. Talk to you tomorrow at noon. We've been live on ESPN 106.3. Bye-bye now.